You're listening to DraftKings Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. God bless football, Billy Gill. God bless football, Mike Golick. God bless football, Mikey A. God bless football, Stugatz. Thank you, Mikey A. Three coaches, uh, legendary names oh. of the game, gone in the span of 24 hours. One fired, uh, one with a mutual agreement to part ways at noon Eastern, that is Belichick and the Patriots, and one who retired. We think, but Mike Golick has a has a bone to pick, and I love a good bone to pick. <laughs> Billy, are you aware of the uh, nature of the bone that Mike Golick has to pick with me? I am unaware of the nature of the bone to pick with you. The fact that he has one bone to pick with you surprises yeah, me. <laughs> I, I guess it's the latest bone uh, to pick mm. with you. You are a listen. You have your Stugatzian way of of doing this line of work that we do, and sometimes. What you like to do is drive a wedge where a wedge doesn't need to be driven. Yeah, and you did oh, it. Sh- oh shit! You you did it. Oh shit! I yeah. already know where this is going. I, I did do it. I know. I know. Oh shit! Got to do it, Christine Lisi, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Golik and Smetty, my partner Jess Matana, who oh, I love dearly. Oh. She graduated Notre Dame with my daughter. I love yeah. her like a daughter. We have a yeah. great time doing a show together. I know. By the way, incredible baker of baked goods. I did the game in Miami last oh. week. Her and her boyfriend bought me a bunch of chocolate chip cookies. But before that, I left there. We were talking to Christine Lisi from ESPN, who is a monster Buffalo Bill fan and also bakes incredibly well. And I talked about both of them and their baking. And Jess said that you said, Stu, to her that I said Christine Lisi was a better baker than Jess Matana, which Hmm. I did not say that. Uh, And you are trying to drive a wedge between uh, me and my podcast partner. I mean, that's the way I heard it. I'm not certain how Billy heard it. But I like you said, Christine Lisi takes more chances. That's what you said. Yes. Right. I, and so better never enter the equation. They're both <laughs> excellent, and they do it differently. As I said, Jess is more the mainstream what she bakes, right. and Christine Lisi will take a regular chocolate chip cookie and bake an Oreo into it. I mean, right. she does some funky stuff. That's essentially said, saying she's the better baker. No, I, mean, I did not. She uh, is different. You do it differently. She is, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You who's do it, better, though? You do it Who, differently. Who's better, Mike? I mean, They're both the same, and I love them both dearly. <laughs> Don't you what? be trying to drive a wedge in yes, between man, you my get podcast one cookie. partner. What you're saying is Jess is the safer baker, takes less chances. Yeah, she, she Not she, as skilled. It, no, I did not say that. Absolutely oh, not. Again, you're, trying to, you're I mean, trying to do what Stu does. No, I would never. They bake differently, but they both bake greatly right i would say that what i'm trying to do i don't know if it's better or worse than what stugatz is trying to do because 
Stugatz does these things with an agenda, right? Like if he breaks you and Jess up, then there's an opening for him. I do these things just for my pure enjoyment, and oh, then I just do, go yeah. on my merry way. You're an agent of chaos. Yes. Yeah. He's the Joker. I just, I just like <laughs> to laugh, and then I go on, and I don't do. Billy with is one of those guys who who drops the bomb and walks away from the scene, and you see the explosion behind him, and he's yeah. just smiling as he continues to walk. Right, That's and, exactly. and then sometimes, yeah. sometimes I'll be like, "What was that?" Yeah, <laughs> right. Like he had nothing to do with it. Right, right, right. Weird. Yeah. What I, told Smitty, by the, what I told Smitty, by the way, is Christine Lisi just happened to be our guest, and Golick, being the nicest man on the planet, of course, is going to say Christine Lisi to her face. I said, Smitty, if you were on the podcast with us that week, he would have said you. I mean, but that's I fair. Didn't, but I never uh, said Christine was better than <laughs> Jess. You put that in Jess's head and, and start, tried to start a riff. So just to be clear, Three all-time legendary coaches and Mike yeah. Vrabel yeah. lost their jobs this week, yeah. and we're talking about baking. Yeah. 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 Okay. Because we're talking about someone I deal with a lot in Jess. I don't deal with those guys that got fired a lot. So, you know, I'm taking care of what's closer to me, okay? Yeah. It is fair. funny. It is funny, Mike, I think, to see uh, the three different spins that were put on essentially the same situation. One of them was kind of moved out of his role, but given an elevated role somewhere else in the organization that's undetermined and we don't know what's going on. Belichick, we're still waiting kind of on the phrasing on that one, right, when they have that press conference. And Mm -hmm. Saban just retired, which seems like he actually was in control. But you also do wonder, like, it's been a couple of years for Alabama. It's like the boosters kind of getting tired of Saban there. I don't think that's what was at play, but you do sometimes wonder with all the money that's there. You do wonder, but I, I, I personally, with the Alabama situation, don't wonder. I think Nick Saban uh, is is walking away from there in his own terms. And whenever and for the pros, or whenever you hear mutual, that's ridiculous. Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll are getting fired. That that's just the way this is, and they're doing it the right way in New England to basically take the high road, say it's mutual. They'll throw roses, Kraft and Belichick, Belichick at one another. So they're ending it in a good way, and I'm glad. I'm glad after all the years and success, there won't be the animosity. But let's make no mistake, if if Bill wanted to be back and Pete wanted to be back, they weren't going to be back. Those those teams made changes. And really with, with Seattle, too, because Pete Carroll wouldn't even get into it. People tried to ask, you know, so what, what happened? He said, I'm not getting into the specifics. To me, there's no doubt he wanted to keep coaching and they wanted to make a change. And now they throw in the advisory role thing. But until we have eight openings now in the NFL, until somebody comes a calling. And and Stu, this is what I find amazing. We have eight openings in the NFL. Think of the range of possibilities of coaches. You have Bill Belichick, who Mm -hmm. definitely still wants to coach. He's got 15 more wins to be the all-time winningest coach. over. He's coaching, Mike. I agreed. Pete Carroll may want to coach. He's Jim coaching. Harbaugh may come back to the NFL. Yeah. Mike Mike Vrabel just just uh you know was released and and he'll be co- you know be He might go to Ohio somewhere. State for all we know. He may, but he's going right. to be somewhere. Um Dan Quinn who's always gr- looked at to be another head you know head coach again. It's all these names before you get to the hottest coordinator. We always talk about this every year. Sure. Who's the hottest coordinator? And it's Ben Johnson, the OC right. from Detroit this year. So if you're an owner now, what do you do? What what well, what's the priority list of 
a 71-year-old Belichick, a 72-year-old Pete Carroll who want to keep coaching, uh, you know, a 10-year-old Ben Johnson, you know, who's a the right. young, you know, up-and-comer, uh, Vrabel who has been a coach, a Dan Quinn who has been a coach. I mean, it is amazing the, the possibilities out there. And I'll throw a wrench into this. Some other coaches might get fired. Coaches who are coaching this weekend in the NFL right. might get fired right. if their teams lose. Exactly right. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is so interesting. Uh, Mike, I think what Saban, by the way, Seven combined Super Bowls between these three coaches. Uh, seven combined Super Bowl wins. Eight national championships. People forget Pete Carroll won two at USC. Right. Won a Super Bowl with the Seattle Seahawks. Should have won a second Super Bowl against Bill yes. Belichick. Yes. Belichick would have five and Carroll would have two. Uh, it is crazy what has happened here the last 24 hours. Were you surprised by Saban? And, and Mike, I will say this. I think what Saban looked at was, hey, 12-team playoff, transfer portal, NIL, I'm 72. I'm regarded as the greatest college coach in the history of the sport. I want nothing to do with where this sport is going. Right, right. Well, the, the, the first thing I always hope when there's somebody of age like this that's retiring, that means people around them are of age. The first thing I hope is there's no reason. Right. That there's no reason outside of football sure. from a from a health reason to anybody, him or anybody around him. You you hope that's not the issue. But, you know, in their 70s, you know, so uh, we'll, we'll see on that. W- listen, this was a guy. Remember when college football started opening up fast paced? He's trying to sub his guys and the other teams running a mile a minute. And he said, is this what we want football to be? And the answer was, yes, this is what we want football to be. So he adapted and continued to kick everybody's ass the new way uh, of football, of going fast pace. He just adapted and he was still great at it. So I, 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 though, to your point, I definitely think there's some of coaches who have been around for a while that don't like what's going on now. And for their part, it's not going to change. So it's adapt or die. Is that part of it? I'm, I'm sure it's not one specific thing for Nick. Is that part of it that the game has changed so much? Possibly uh, it is. Uh, we'll see because I'm sure more will come out from this. Um, but I, I'm just fascinated, fascinated at the possibilities uh, out there. Also, remember, Nick Saban started his head coaching career at Toledo in 1990. Mm-hmm. And between that and the couple years in Miami in the NFL, he has had one losing season. And that was the second year with the Dolphins. He right. never had a losing season coaching college, coaching Toledo, coaching Michigan State, coaching uh, Alabama. He never had a losing season. It's stunning. how I mean, I, I think we're all in agreement. He's the greatest college head coach of all time, right? Yes, I mean, yes no doubt. Who else you saying? I mean, he's he's that. Yes, uh, he is that. Uh, Mike, if you were in charge of of replacing Nick Saban, which man, <laughs> you want to be the guy that replaces the guy, not the guy that replaces yeah. the guy, right? Uh, you want to be like the next coach after this coach, okay? But uh, if you were in charge of hiring for Alabama, so you're hearing like Dan Lanning, you're yep. hearing Lane yep. Kiffin, you're hearing Dabo Swinney, you're hearing Mike Norvell, you're hearing all these names. Who would Mike? You're hearing Marcus Freeman, Mike Golick. Uh, who yeah. would Mike Golick hire to be so, the next Alabama head coach? I, I would. I would. You know, Lane Kiffin's the first name that jumped from what I've already Same. heard. Right. Is that's not going to happen? Mm. So that may be off the table. Then I think you're looking at a guy like Lanning or maybe Steve Sarkeesian at Texas. Wow. Which yes. think of the domino effect because Alabama ain't hiring some OC or DC first time head coach. 
they're going after power and they have the money to do it. But some of these other schools have the money to stop it. Okay. So it all depends on what that coach wants to do. Texas is back. Steve Sarkeesian brought Texas back. What if Alabama comes to call it? Remember, yeah. Texas is now going into the SEC. Mm-hmm. So Dan Lanning has done a great job in Oregon. What if Alabama comes calling? If nothing else, some of these head coaches that are being talked about, Stu, are going to get phenomenal extensions. Yes. Right? right? We yes. don't want you to leave, and we're going to give you another <laughs> bag of money, a bigger bag of money we've already given you. Oh, the leverage uh, they to have stay. today. Oh, my God. <laughs> and everybody will swing the leverage hammer. But I think that's the area you go. You mentioned Lane. I'd say Landing. I'd say Sarkeesian. Dabo Swinney has always been someone – that has been thought of there. But Dabo's got to change his thought process. He he still isn't as into the portal uh, as most are. He still likes the old-fashioned way, which is fine to a point, but you've got to adapt some. And he seems to be fighting it more than accepting it. So I don't know what kind of a fit that would be, in all honesty. So I would look at a Lanning and I would look at a Sarkeesian, but man, those are two programs in Oregon and Texas that could throw a bag at you to say, we want you to stay. And then it comes down to those guys. Do I want to leave where I am to go to you know Alabama and follow Nick Saban? How much of a role do you think the portal and NIL and just, I guess, the changing landscape of college football and the way things work now plays in a decision like that for Saban? Oh, huge. Again, yeah. guys who have been coaching for a while, all of a sudden, it's and, – and, and listen, they've gone through changes, but these have been radical changes. Mike, now, 12 of his kids jumped into the portal. <laughs> I like, mean, what? <laughs> again, radical changes have gone on here where normally guys that are going, you know, Saban's picking to come to Alabama, they're staying at Alabama. Now, man, it you can miss on a guy but get him a year later, right? You can say, oh, well, I missed on that guy. A year later, the guy will want to come back. Or, or come to come to that school, and now you got to pay for them. You know now it's it's and I, I still scratch my head at the Kyle McCord situation at Ohio State. You can come back and be a quarterback at Ohio State, even though Marvin Harrison Jr. is going. They just replaced a five star with a five star star. But supposedly he didn't like the money that was out there, so he went to Syracuse. I mean, the the sometimes you can be short sighted in the now as opposed to what can prepare you better for what you're trying to achieve. And I don't know if Kyle McCord was ever going to be an NFL quarterback, but he would have had a better chance in showing his wares, I believe, at Ohio State than than at Syracuse. But from the reports you hear, the money wasn't right. But so that's where we are now as well. Well, the money wasn't right, and plus we'll have less competition at Syracuse, Mike. He's going to be a starter there, you know? Well, yeah, that is very true. Because, but but at at this point, we hadn't heard of anybody else that would have been a young quarterback at Ohio State. And listen, that's the one thing that's the one thing the portal has hurt is the the development of a quarterback because you just go out and get one, right? Yeah. And I and I say Notre Dame right out the Steve Angeli they had for a couple of years as as the next guy coming up. But you go out and you get Sam Hartman. Then you go out and you get Riley Leonard. So and other schools have done it as well. So that can hurt the development of a quarterback to have a quarterback at your place for as, as a two or three year starter when you're going out and getting a one year guy, which some schools do. And I'm not saying it's bad because it can certainly pay off. For you, look at Penix Jr. He's been at Washington a couple of years after uh, coming in from in- Indiana, and it was fantastic. So it can work now. But yeah, Billy, to your point, the coaches now, the landscape has changed, and, and not only changed, but changed drastically. Right. Well, it's also it, leveled the playing field, right? Where now it's, it I don't want to say it was 
easy for Saban, but it was a lot easier for Saban and Alabama and kind of the kingdom that he built there. We're now one year to the next. That can all change. Well, it can because just what Sue said, you know, the guys that are transferring out of Alabama, the guys that have transferred out of Georgia. I mean, these are all they're always like one and two in, in recruiting every year. Yes. And they still can be, but it's it can be different now. Sometimes now a team may take 12 high school students, uh, high school you know recruits, and 12 portal guys. But Mike, Duke and, Syracuse, to, Duke and Syracuse just got two quarterbacks they would not normally get, and that's, that's why exactly, there's going to exactly be more parity. Right. Yes. Guys looking to, to play. Uh, and again, sometimes players can overthink it and, and transfer too much, but – I'm glad they have the right to because you get four or five years. We're getting 100%. past the six, seven years, the super senior with the COVID situation. We're going to get back to kind of the normal routine there. And I, I'm happy players have the choice if they want to move to move. Uh, Belichick, uh, Billy, you had something? Go ahead. Uh, Belichick, the other obvious big coaching, you know, it, they're all three of them are big, Mike. They're all yeah, seismic. Yes. Uh, the two, Saban and Belichick, one's considered the greatest NFL coach, one considered the greatest uh, college coach of all time. Funny that Pete Carroll's the guy who won at both levels. Yeah, <laughs> that was the third least important uh, of the three uh, of the three firings or, or mutually parting ways, however right. you want to phrase however, it. Right. Uh, but with with it's interesting, Mike, because you're hearing Gerard Mayo. Uh, for the Patriots, which I'm okay with. It's a Belichick guy. He's learned under Belichick. But I keep hearing Belichick to the Falcons. And for some reason, that just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, listen, the the dominoes that are going to go on right now, because you also hear in New England, oh, my God, Mike Vrabel. Vrabel yeah. was drafted by Belichick. He played there. That doesn't mean what it means like in college. If Vrabel is going to have choices – and Vrabel is not going to go to New England because he played for them. It's not like you go like Jim Harbaugh going to coach at his alma mater in college. Vrabel is going to go to the best situation that fits him, the best team, the most ready team that he can build to a championship team. He's not going to go to New England because he played there uh, out of loyalty. That That's not going to happen. If he thinks that's the best spot for him, then he will. With, with Bill, I, I guess that's what I, what I was talking about before guys is the owners and their choices of why you pick somebody is bill going to go somewhere where there's a complete rebuild or are you a quarterback away you know you've got Pitts, you've got drake london you got john robinson you got some hitters you know on that offensive side of the ball and a bad but division you, but you need a quarterback you're right it's a bad division so i i, I that to me is the most interesting thing is where owners go in the fact that you have the older guys in Belichick and and uh, a Pete Carroll, a Vrabel out there. I think a Dan Quinn's name is going to pop up again. A Ben Johnson and other O and D coordinators who are young and up and comers. The the selection this year of differences of coaches and coaching styles is almost none like we've ever seen because we haven't had Belichick available like this. Right. Mike, isn't it worth, if you're if you're one of these guys' agents or if you're the actual coach, isn't it worth to see what jobs are going to become available? Like, wait, let the picture play out here. See if Philadelphia comes open. See if Dallas comes open. See if the Buffalo Bills job is open. Isn't it worth waiting if you're, Har if you're Harbaugh, Belichick, any of these guys? Well, guys like that can afford to wait. They can wait, bit, yes. Right? They can yes. wait. And, and let's remember, now, again, you can do it a different way, as I'll say. 
you can't start in-person interviews till I think January 21st when we're getting past the divisional playoffs. But you can do Zoom interviews. But we all know there's a lot of backdoor discussions that are already going on. And the one issue, especially when now you have eight teams and maybe more, is how long do we wait for the guy we want? Because if we wait for the guy we want and don't get the guy we want, where do we fall back in line? Because others have been chosen for other teams. Sure. Right? There's eight available, and you're one of the teams waiting for a specific guy, and you don't get him. But now between that time of you waiting, four teams have already gotten head coaches and others that you wanted. So where do you fall back in the queue for this? That's what they talked about in Tennessee and firing Vrabel and the thought of maybe trading him and saying a trade process may take too long and we may lose out on a guy that we want as the head coach if a trade doesn't happen for Vrabel uh, at a head coach. So there's timing now because, let's be honest, these teams are going to be fighting over the same guys. Right. Gojo and Golik, 8 to 10 a.m. every morning on the DraftKings Network and wherever you get your podcast. Also, Gojo and Smetty. He did say Lisi was a better baker. I don't care nope. what he says. Uh, and he has the uh, Packers in Dallas coming up. Westwood one <laughs> this weekend. Uh, Mike, before we let you go here, just quickly on the NFL, because, you know, there are games to be played this weekend yep. and they're fairly big. Uh, what is the game you are most excited about? I love your game, the Packers <laughs> in Dallas. I think the Packers are going to win that game. How about that? Really? You do? Yes, I, I, listen, I, do. I love that game as well. Obviously, I I can't pick that game, but what Jordan Love has been doing Great. for this team has been fantastic. And the main thing is, is he's not turning the ball over. 18 touchdowns to one interception in the last eight games of the regular season. I mean, not and 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 talk about getting back into it early. How young this team is with the young receivers. It is amazing what they're doing. So, and we know Dallas, the pressure every year, and everybody waiting for them if if they can't live up to that. We'll see. I'm looking forward to that game. The two games that that intrigue me, Houston-Cleveland, because yes. Houston is way early, right? Yeah. With a rookie head coach, a rookie quarterback, a rookie uh, play caller, a rookie DN uh, high pick with seven sacks and Will Anderson. And Cleveland's doing it with, you know, their fourth quarterback and lost one of the best running backs early in the season in Nick Chubb. Either these two teams have the coach of the year. It's either Stefanski or D'Amico Ryan's going to be the coach no of the year. Yeah. And then the other one is, without question, that Ram team going to Detroit, right. where the flop of quarterbacks a few years ago, now first-time Stafford's coming. He's played Detroit once since he's been gone, but not in Detroit. First time back to Detroit. And with the weaponry both these offenses have, I am really looking forward to that game. Uh, let's get your thoughts quickly here on Billy's Dolphins. They play the Chiefs Saturday night. The Dolphins can run the ball, Mike, and they can stop the run. Like, I know it's going to be cold there. It's going to be, you know, negative eight with the wind chill, but the Dolphins can run the football. They're great at it, and they can stop the run. They're great at it. So the bad news is that they have three linebackers out. Xavier Howard is out uh, as a cornerback on defense with a foot and uh, they lost within the last six, seven weeks, including a couple of weeks ago, they've lost their two best edge rushers. So they're hurting on defense. Huge. I, in doing that Bills-Miami game, Miami was actually the better team, and they won it, but they kept shooting themselves in the foot. Now Miami is getting Mostert back, getting Waddle back, and to your point, Mostert, A-Chan, Jeff Wilson, three running backs they have that can run the ball, no doubt about it. An offensive line uh, that that – you know, has been piecemealed a bit. They were on last week, 11 different line combinations. Uh, so, but, but stable as of late, 
I'm with you. But the weather is a, is a is a factor. They're yes. a Ferrari team. Yep. That is going to be playing in bad weather. You know, driving a Ferrari in the snow doesn't work well. But it, this comes down to accidental sometime big plays. A slant to Tyreek Hill, the defender falls down and Tyreek goes the distance, right? Somebody drops the ball, the ball squirts out of somebody's hands. This yes. is a big turnover. Yeah. This is one of those big play games that you didn't expect that could turn it around. And in fairness, it should be noted, like part of the reason of the success of the run game is the threat of the pass game on the Dolphins. And when that's taken yeah. away because of the weather, things kind of equalize a little bit. Without a doubt. The biggest thing in these games is you'll do shorter passes for the most part is you got to make the tackle after the after the catch. Got right. to. Have right. to. And bad weather can can affect that. And there's no way to prepare for it. Zero way to prepare for this until you get out on pregame, see which cleats are going to work best, see how the wind is blowing uh, to play. And there's so there's no preparation for this until you get out there. Uh, coldest game you ever played in, Mike. Minus 10 wind chill when I was in Philadelphia, it went to the Meadowlands. <laughs> and, and this was back when the stupidity of me and others, when no matter what you did, you couldn't wear long sleeves. And I didn't wear long sleeves in this game. And it was one of the dumbest things. It's one of the dumbest macho things to ever do. Not that it would have helped in minus 10 wind chill. But this is back when they had, they looked like the uh, plane engines on the sideline blowing the flame out, right? As your heaters. So I kept my, uh, I would put like my my mouthpiece around my finger when I was off the field and I would go over and I remember going over and putting my hands because I didn't wear gloves then either. And I put my hands in front of this heater. They were, my hands were just ice cold in front of this flame and the mouthpiece melted around my finger. Uh, <laughs> oh, so I, cause I mean, I was just trying to warm up my hands. It's horrible. <laughs> Right. Horrible. Terrible. TV timeouts are horrible. It's all horrible. <laughs> I, I would rather play in cold more than heat. But when I say cold, I'd rather play in 20 degree instead of 95 degrees. But 10 below wind chills, absurd. It's absurd. Uh, it, it changes the game. I bet you Reggie White wasn't complaining. Anyway. Uh, all right, Mike. We love you. Uh, thank you. Check him out. Gojo and Golik every morning, 8 to 10 a.m. on the DraftKings Network. Uh, Golik and Smeddy as well. Give Smitty my apologies. And Packers-Dallas uh -huh. this weekend. Westwood won. Game of the weekend, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. That's why they put Mike Golick on it. It's the biggest game of the weekend. Mike, Boom. enjoy your super wild card weekend, my friend. Thank you, gentlemen. A lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. You know another thing that hasn't changed? Is that it's less filling. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. Ah, and I remember it like it was yesterday, sitting back in my dad's pickup truck. Me, my dad, Pappy, it's my granddad, I used to call him, fishing at the pond. I remember dad and Pappy going back and forth saying, what is it about this new Miller Lite? Is it that it's less filling, or is it the great taste? What I wouldn't give to go back to those times. But you know one thing that Miller Lite does? Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com GBF. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Lite Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs and premium regular beer. I can't believe Adam Schefter found in 10 minutes to join us on God Bless Football. It's on, Billy is shaking his head. He has no idea. I can't believe he found 10 minutes. Schefter, what are you doing? Schefter, let's just start here. What the f*** is going on? 
football legends are going away. It's unbelievable. Mm. In under 24 hours, no Pete Carroll in Seattle, no Nick Saban in Alabama, no Bill Belichick in New England. And, you know, who knows what else is going to come? We, this might not be the end yet. There still could be more. We'll see. It's unbelievable. When's the last time you slept? I slept last night. Um, didn't sleep well, but I slept. That's the way it goes this time of the year. It's all good. Okay. Uh, because you told me, like, you know, I asked you to come on. I was hesitant to do it. You said, I love you, but I'm busy. I have to get Belichick off my docket, to which I responded during the busiest time of the year for you. I'd love to see what that docket looks like. <laughs> well, I said to you, you texted me yesterday, could you come on? I said, I'm not coming on anything until Belichick is off my docket. Belichick right. came off my docket this morning, although he's still back on the docket because now we don't know where he's going to coach. So he's back <laughs> on the docket. So I could have canceled on you, but well, listen, I like you. So I figured, let me let me reach out to Stu Gotts and let's get this back on now that Bill and the Patriots are divorcing. Press conference will be at noon Eastern today and, and get this done. So here we are chatting about everything that's going on around the league. All right, you are the best. So what are you hearing about who's going to replace Belichick and what are you hearing about where Belichick's going to end up? Well, in regards to who replaces him, I believe that Gerard Mayo is a, if not the, leading candidate Hmm. to take over for Bill. I think he becomes the guy that we're watching. Now, that doesn't mean that there won't be other names that are brought into the mix, a la Brian Flores or Mike Vrabel or whoever. But I do believe that Gerard Mayo becomes the guy to beat. He's somebody that the Crafts know. And... Let's keep in mind, Stu Gotts, that basically the Crafts have not done a coaching search in a quarter of a century. Crazy. Right? Like yeah. there are teams there are teams that do this on a regular basis. Ask the Jets, ask Carolina, ask Cleveland, ask whoever, right? Um, New England's now embarking on its first head coaching search in, in 25 years, which is crazy. As for Belichick, there are eight NFL openings, including New England, seven aside from the Patriots. I, I think that everybody looks at those teams and and says, well, wh- where does Bill fit? And I would say the opposite. I would say instead of looking at those seven teams, and he might fit in a team like Atlanta, absolutely, but instead of just focusing in on those seven teams, I would say look at all the other teams and imagine being an owner there. <laughs> and imagine waking up to the news this morning that Bill Belichick and the Patriots are going their own ways. And imagine you're an owner and you say, okay, I've got my head coach in place. Do I like him and believe in him and have more confidence in him than I do in Bill Belichick? Right. And to me, it's a repeat of what went on with Tom Brady when Tom becomes a free agent. Mm-hmm. Every team, it's incumbent upon them to look at their current quarterback and say, am I better off with my current guy or the other guy? And I remember, you know, there's some teams that made some decisions and Tom found out about it. Tom was like, just thinking with that guy and not interested. Okay. And I would imagine that Bill will probably feel the same way. Um, that is fascinating and- to me because this is this is the greatest coach in the history of the NFL. And you are right. If you're a team like the Eagles and Bill is interested in coaching the Eagles, you have to at least think about it. It's such a great point by you. Well, the playoffs are going to get underway this weekend. Yep. And inevitably, there are going to be some teams that rise up and shine. And there are going to be some teams that crash and burn. Hmm. And so when there's a team that falls short of expectations, and there just has to be because one wins and one loses, 
right? right? When that when those teams lose and that owner's pissed off that they lost, well, what are our options? Well, Bill Belichick's an option. Are you interested? <laughs> and, yes. and I also would say this. I would guess from the outside that if there's anything that Bill's learned from coaching Tom Brady and not coaching Tom Brady, he's learned that it's rather important to have a quarterback. So yep. while we look at these teams with vacancies and say, well, would Bill fit in Atlanta or Tennessee or Carolina or wherever it may be? What about other teams that don't have vacancies but do have quarterbacks? Would Jerry Jones hire Belichick? Now we're playing the speculative guessing game, but I'll let you guess. Your guess is as good as mine. You tell me. What do you think? <laughs> yes, I do. I, I, I think if they lose a playoff game, even if they don't, they win one and lose next weekend, I think Jerry Jones would hire Bill Belichick. Yes, I think he's getting old, and I think he wants to win a title, and I think Bill Belichick gives him the best chance to do that. Two guys, we could go through this exercise and do that with every single team. It's crazy. And yes. it would be interesting and intriguing with whichever team you want to bring into the mix. Just, right. I mean, g- give, give me another team. Give me another team. Just see. Uh, Miami Dolphins lose this weekend. I mean, I think they like Mike McDaniel. I don't think they're doing that, but. Yeah, but it's uh, Belichick, I, 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 to your point. Uh, okay, well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> give me another one. Give me another team. Uh, I would tell you the Texans are probably happy with D'Amico Ryans. I know it sounds crazy, but I think I they're happy, that. right? I agree with that. Okay. I agree with that. I agree okay. with that. Yep. All right. I, agree with uh, that. I would say the Rams, McVay, they're probably pretty happy. Packers happy. A lot. Lions, Dan Campbell, if they lose this weekend. <laughs> I, I think they like Dan Campbell, but if they lose this week, you're like, okay. Belichick! <laughs> it's Belichick. Right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's Belichick. It's interesting. Yes. Keep going. Like, yeah. play, play the game. And okay. it. it, it yeah, and, and I'll, I'll go you one more. Play the game Jaguars. with teams that are. Ooh. Yeah. That's interesting. Thank you. Right? Yep. You were going to say one more, yeah. though. Go ahead. No, I'm, I'm just you play the game with teams in the playoffs. Play the game not in the playoffs. Crazy. But here's the deal right now. Here's the deal right now. 25% of the league doesn't have a head coach right, right now. Right. 25%. And 100% of the league doesn't have a coach as good as Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. And that's where it gets intriguing. It's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. Uh, Harbaugh, too. Like, if you're Jim Harbaugh, Adam, you should wait. You're, you're a Michigan guy. You went to Michigan. Congratulations on the national championship. But if you're Jim Harbaugh, you might as well see how this all plays out, right? Oh, listen. Uh, there'll be teams that are absolutely interested in Jim. There already are. Okay. You know, I think the Chargers are interested. I think the Raiders are interested. I think the Falcons may be interested. We'll see. Um, yeah, uh, Jim Harbaugh, and if I could just do this, I, I just taped a podcast with John Harbaugh, hmm. and we were talking about Jim Harbaugh, and that podcast will run Tuesday, and we are talking about what would make him successful at the next level, and, his, and, he, and he, it was really interesting what he said, like just talking about Jim's team building skills and um, you know, the guy has won everywhere he's been everywhere he's been. And so, I mean, why wouldn't the chargers make a run at Jim Harbaugh? Why wouldn't the Raiders make a run at Jim Harbaugh? Why wouldn't Atlanta make a run at Jim? Like there are some really interesting 
names in the coaching cycle this year. Yeah. Right. You've got Bill Belichick, Jim Harbaugh, Pete Carroll. Like again, right. I'll say the Chargers. Doesn't yep. it make sense for them to bring Pete back to LA to finish? Like that it would make sense to me. Yes. It's funny, like, right? Pete Carroll, the, of the three coaches let go in the last 24 hours, Carroll, the only one who's won in the NFL and in college. It's crazy. Yeah, and, and, he, yeah. and he's got more energy than you and I can buy. The guy's up No doubt about it. I don't know. I don't, know how, I don't even know how you're speaking right now. Uh, quickly here, did you have a chance to celebrate Michigan's national championship? Well, the great part about it was I, um, I took my son and my daughter to the game. And... You know, all my friends were going, and, I, and I've said this to other people, and I really mean this. Um, in my senior year at Michigan, 1989, my college roommates and I went to Seattle. We went to Lexington for the Sweet 16, and we went to Seattle for the Final Four. Mm-hmm. And watching Michigan beat Illinois on Saturday that weekend and Seton Hall in overtime on Monday night, to this day remains one of the single greatest and most memorable weekends of my life. <laughs> and to have the chance to watch them win another national championship in person on Monday night, it meant more to me to bring my son and daughter to get them to experience it. But I was talking about it with one of my college roommates and my college pals. We had 89. We had 24. Who owes us nothing for the rest of our lives? It's given us enough thrills. And it was thrilling for me to be able to share that with my children and to watch our school win another national championship that the students at that school today, that the people that root for their program will remember the same way that we remember 1989. And it was a special night. It was incredible. I was personally selfishly worried because I knew that it was going to be a busy week in coaching. I debated going down there. And then when I got down there, I thought to myself, as I'm doing the ESPN lineup all day from, get up to first take to sports center to NFL live to college shows. I didn't even know existed on whatever channels I didn't even know existed. Uh-huh. Um, I, I thought to myself, this is a convergence of my two worlds. There's no way I couldn't be here, but I was so focused in and locked in on my job and tracking the coaches that it was hard for me to fully detach, to experience that night the way that I would want to, but that's, that's the job. Like, you know, you're locked into that. That that's the most important thing to me. And I was rooting for my school, but and I was there physically, but mentally, I'm thinking, what's going on in New England? What's happening in Seattle? What's the deal in Tennessee? What's happening in Atlanta? Where's Jim Harbaugh going? Like, you're totally consumed with that, right? To the point where you can't fully enjoy Houston in '24 the way you did Seattle in '89. But my children did, and that meant everything. That's so awesome. All right, get out of here, man. We appreciate the uh, 15 minutes during the busiest day of the year for you. The Adam Schefter podcast every Tuesday. John Harbaugh going to be his guest. Uh, Adam, we do appreciate it. Check him out all over the ESPN platforms. Breaking news left and right with 17 phones in his hand and very little sleep. Glad we can get it in, Stu. It's my pleasure. Thank you. All right. I read that you have welcomed your your third child recently uh, yeah. into the world, and it was a girl, correct? Yep, I am. I uh, get to do the girl dad thing, wear the t shirts. I'm not sure what else it entails yet, but um, yeah, I, she's uh, June is almost six months. She'll be six months here soon, and uh, yeah, three is there is no advice that I could give to anybody else on three. It's just you, you just figure it out. <laughs> 
Uh, how happy was your wife? Because you have two boys, and like, I mean, you know, like, how many long boys can you? <laughs> can well, you honestly, have one time? I, I think I, I was feeling for my for my mom because you know she had three boys and she loves that. Like her license plate growing up was three boys zoo, right. and then she changed it to four boys zoo when my first son came along, and then it was five, and then you know you're like, damn, one of the girls coming, and then Kyle, my brother, the perfect guy to have a daughter first because he needed to calm down. Right. You know, be a little yes. less aggressive. Right. In fact, like the anecdote is the first time he found out I was a girl, he's like, I'm having a girl. I was like, this is the best news ever. Right. And he's like, what the f- do you mean? <laughs> I was like, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, like having girls now in our family, they're actually starting to outnumber the boys a little bit in this generation. It's awesome. Uh, my wife and I, we just wanted a healthy kid. You know, like when you take time off, like when you, you when you're in that kid, kid washing machine, it's easy to keep going. Sure. You know, the hard thing is when you take some years off and all of a sudden you realize like, damn, we got to hurry up if we want to have a third. And like my oldest is seven and and my youngest is four and I'm 38 years old. I know it's different now. People having kids into their 40s and 50s. But we were like, we'd like to be done here soon. So we just wanted a healthy kid and um, a girl. Great. You know, Um, it's been it's been awesome. It's going to change your life, Chris. Uh, it's yeah. going to change your life in the most positive of ways. Uh, your wife will not. She, she'll enjoy it for the first 10 years. Once they become teenagers, uh, everything's downhill from there. But for you, forget mm-hmm. it. You will always mm-hmm. be a superhero to your daughter. To your boys, not so much. But to her, yes. You know. There we go, man. There we go. Like I need a friend, you know, because <laughs> the boys, as much as they're my buddies, you know, they just, where's mom? Where's mom? Where's right. mom? And so right. like, yeah, I've seen some of my friends that have older daughters and now I'm starting to see it through that framework. And it's pretty cool. I went to, uh, one of my good buddies from college married Biff Pogge's daughter. Uh, you know, the Charlotte coach, the, oh, uh, really? the with Harbaugh. And okay. so I went to his wedding and we were expecting our girl and I'm seeing everything through that framework. And he's a great dad. And Melly, right. his daughter, like loves him to death. And just watching that whole thing, I'm like, I'm going to be that guy, that macho man with a grown daughter crying at a wedding. And it's OK. And everything in between, I'll, I'll hit the curveball just like you do with anything else as a parent. Right. Total double standard, though, right? I mean, there are certain things the boys could do certain things that the girl just can't. You know that. I, yeah, I hear that. But I also like to think as up as the world is and as hard as it is for women um i'd like to think i'm gonna be like not consistent but you know i I don't know i never thought about this you can't raise a girl like a boy right but i'm gonna try to keep the same like you know you know what i'm saying it's like absolutely you're gonna try to be consistent i'm telling you you're going to fail though it's gonna be hard yeah (laughs) it's gonna be hard you know but i want to get her into like some some jujitsu and and like right. you know she, she's got to be a tough gal my wife's really tough so if anything she'll out tough me but um we'll see are you saying in a fight that uh not that you would do this but uh, your wife can kick your ass is what you're saying honestly my wife can hurt me like um <laughs> she's got really fast hands and she's like got that little man's complex in a in right. a gal's body i mean she's like five three she played lacrosse at virginia but she's like a real ass kicker and just has always been that kind of person. So I hope our daughter grows up to be like, you know, my wife, which is, and my wife would, would laugh hearing this, but you complain about your wife's personality sometimes and how hardcore she is, or she doesn't like losing a fight or she doesn't back down from anybody. But that's, that's why we got married. Cause I, I, I love that. And, and I think if those qualities come out in your daughter, you're like, great, because I can't be there for every minute 
of that that gal or that woman's life and um you know that kind of worries me the way the world's going sure you know it's a scary time to bring a daughter into the world no question uh my daughter plays at northwestern she plays lacrosse there oh no way yeah but you played lacrosse did you not i did in high school but what? but meg, but meg when she was at virginia like she won't even talk about northwestern because they beat them every time <laughs> they got in the final four they're like they're like Duke or something to the, to those gals on that team, but they got They're a great the Alabama program. of women's lacrosse, essentially. Yeah. Exactly, exactly, right. yes. exactly, dude. Uh, the Greenlight Podcast, check it out. YouTube at Greenlight Podcast. Uh, are you still enjoying the media game, my friend? Yeah, I, 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 in the beginning, I was because you're so motivated to build something and so motivated to succeed and take all this energy that you had in your career and then pour it into something else like i'm driven by trying to build something and succeed like i don't like the attention that's been the the tightrope that you walk is like if you say interesting things you're going to get attention if you say things that are bold and if you're authentic you're going to get attention and people are going to quote you and that was the thing for a while that while i was like hell-bent on building the thing i also found myself a little bit uncomfortable with you know appearing to to try to get attention which you're you're not doing but you know how this thing goes Mm -hmm. and um you know, there were there was a while there where I got pretty worn down and didn't like it so much. Um, I'm kind of coming out of that because I think you have a vision of how you want your life to go in this stage or in this chapter. And then you have to fail at at it, so to speak. You have to like bite off more than you can chew. You have to say, hey, I don't like the way this is going. And then you can if you have any control over your life, you can kind of kind of retreat a little bit. And that's what I've done is like. I think there's been three stages, the excitement. I don't know anything stage where you're just like, I'm going to take over the world. And then there's a second stage where you're like, damn, this space is crowded. I don't like the attention. Uh, Nothing's working relative to my expectations because your expectations get higher. And then the third stage for me now is like, it. I just want to I want to build a life that I'm going to enjoy. The reason I got in this thing is I like talking to people. I like, you know, seeing you on Zoom. I like being able to to crunch football all day long. Like, that's fun for me. Mm-hmm. And the rest of it, like, I'm not going to stress myself out and chase success. Like, that's where I am now is, like, just have fun. Enjoy the football. Talk to your friends. Do things you love to do. Right. Like, even with guest booking for a while, you were like, oh, I got to get the best guest or got to get the big name. And it doesn't always pay off. And sometimes you come out of those interviews and you're like, what the f- was that? I, I love talking to my friends and people that I click with. So that's the stage I'm in now and just trying to take things as they come. Uh, I'm happy to hear that. But Chris, you should always be doing it your way. I mean, right. you made a ton of money playing in the NFL. Uh, you have a great life. And so this should just be fun to you. You should just find the funnest parts of that's whatever what the hell this thing is that we that's all That's what do. I'm trying to do, yeah. man. You know, and inevitably there's going to be days where it's not fun because you got to talk about certain topics or you have opinions that other people don't like and, I said this on my pod recently, and part of this is not having this attitude as a content creator, but consumers of content now, I feel like we argue about football the way we argue about politics. We argue about sports the way we argue about politics. And and I'm a sucker for conflict. Like, so if people invite me into conflict, I'm going to take it. Right. Um, but I don't want to seek it out. And I don't want to do my job in that frame of mind, like where everything's winning an argument. And I've just tried to turn over a new leaf where in 2024, some guy wants to argue with me about a player online. Like, if you're not cordial, I'm not going to talk to you. Right. You know, and I, I, I don't need to. Now I'm going to fall short of that, but I just want to have fun. To your, to your point, and have fun conversations. I think in general, everybody's got to 
chill the f- out a little bit. Like, w- when did we get to this point where sports were like life and death? And if you have a different opinion than somebody on a quarterback or Justin Fields or Tua or, uh, you know, an offense or a defense, like we are killing each other out here. Right. You know, like you don't even need Russia and China don't need to divide us on politics. They could just they could just divide us on the NFL and we'd be weaker. <laughs> you know, so it's like I, I, I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution there. I want to have fun and interact with people. I see Billy and Mikey laughing over there. Well, <laughs> Billy, no, what's going I, on? I, I, think, there? I think that you just figured out the next evolution, which is a sports show yeah. called Life or Death. And that's kind of like the that's the extremes. <laughs> like you live or you die based yes. on this take. And then you rotate in and out guest co-hosts because they got death. They got died. Some of them yeah. are gonna yeah. die. Guy, they guy they died. died. What are you gonna do? <laughs> so you guys has a perfect game for that show. It's called Shot for Your Life. Yeah, oh, yeah, shot, <laughs> shot for your life. Uh, let's play it real quick with Chris Long. A shot for your life. A three pointer for your life. Okay. Uh, Larry Bird or JJ Redick? Who you taking? I'm taking JJ Redick. Oh, dead. What? Now, you're, you're dead, now, Chris. You, wow. You're not off you of life or death. Yeah. Sorry, man. You died. I, I think if Larry, I think I, I don't think Larry, here's why. I don't think Larry Bird gives a f- about me. Right. You know, he, he might. But JJ Reddick, you're does? scared of yeah, JJ Reddick. JJ cares about me, although he hasn't called me lately or had me on his show ever since. Oh, wait. Three okay. So up. you have a relationship with JJ, is what you're saying? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so basically, like, I'm going to be like, hey, JJ, man, like, you know, you don't want to see me die. You know, that sort of thing. Larry Bird's amazing. Are people yeah. arguing about Larry Bird? No. In the year of our Lord? 2024? Uh, no, I mean, listen, you're the first person I've asked that question to who chose JJ Reddick. Just, just so it's we're just clear. a personal. It's, it's. I know the guy, and I don't feel right. like Larry's going to be extremely empathetic to my plight. That, that, I can give you someone who's not your friend if you'd like to do it. Yeah, yeah, give me somebody one. who's not do my friend. One. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Larry Bird. Hmm, who should I go with here? Larry Bird. Are you friends with Steph Curry? No, but I'm taking Steph Curry. Mm. You're gonna die, man. Well, Larry the- Bird or Michael Jordan? Are you friends with Jordan? No, I'm taking Larry Bird. Okay, good. <laughs> there you go. The problem, yeah. <laughs> Chris, is everyone else who's played this game is like Bob Ryan or like that type of person They're who older. the answer is always going to be Larry Bird. Yes. <laughs> well, if you have Bob Ryan play, yeah, or or uh, the other gal from the gal from Boston who's on uh, every every uh, she was on like all the sports reporters and stuff, Jackie McMullen. Like yeah. those people are going to pick Larry yeah. Bird. <laughs> What a great poll right there by you, Jackie yeah. McMullen, yeah. Dan Shaughnessy. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew up watching sports reporters and shit, so. You know what happens if they don't pick Larry Bird? They die. Well, yeah. they, you die. You die. die. <laughs> you die. Literally, for... someone in Boston will kill you. Yeah, which, which, which sounds about right. I mean, and those people don't love me there anyway, so. You want a Super Bowl there, Chris? Yeah, but I don't kiss their ass. I think there's certain – I don't think all Pats fans are like this, but – I think there's a sense when, number one, I was just a role player there. So, you know, they feel like they lured that over your head. Like, like I don't know that. And then number two, when you leave in free agency, you know, and you, you, you decide to leave and then you go to a team that beats you in the Super Bowl. And I haven't unnecessarily gloated about that because, again, you know, it's a team game and I just got lucky. But for the few that actually think about me on a regular basis up in Boston, I think that factors in. And then the fact that I have the audacity to talk on the team as a national media member. So you know how it is when you talk about somebody's team, they act like that's the only team you're talking about. And for Boston people, I think sometimes they're like, what the f- does this guy know? He's only here a year. I know what I see on tape and uh, I don't pretend to know more.
even though you were only there for a year, you kind of, I guess, got a behind-the-scenes view of the Patriot way and all that stuff. Are you surprised to kind of see how this is ending with Belichick and the Patriots, where it's almost like it looks like both sides are ready to move on, and it's almost like he he seems like he's just hanging on and trying to find a spot to pass Shula, which seems crazy at the time where he was at the top of you know the, the football world and he was a genius and he was clearly the best ever. I think it just goes to show you that like football's really hard. You know, like when I'm watching that last game in the snow and he's getting beat by Robert Sala. You know, I know that the Jets probably had arguably the better team on the field that day, but watching him go out that way, and it was surreal for me watching the last 18 seconds of that game. You feel like you're watching history. I mean, you are watching history. I'm watching him stare out onto the field, and then I'm watching him walk down into that tunnel, you know, and and, and once he walks in that door, you're like, I'm probably never going to see Bill again in this outfit. Um, pretty Crazy. surreal. And, and Bears, who's his right-hand guy, is like looking out the door after he walks in, and then he shuts the door, and it's kind of like watching history. It's like watching some world leader walk away from the podium for the last time, only his term was like decades. And I, I, I love the guy. Uh, I have a lot of respect for the guy. I think he's a great coach. I, I think he can still coach, but he needs a fresh start. And I, I also think he's the type of guy that I think he's the type of guy that that doesn't want to stop. There's nothing that he'd be coming home to, you know, like I know he has a life, he has a family and probably some interests, but you can't build little model ships or go on tours of the Navy <laughs> campus or, you know, like whatever else, hang out with his dog that, that can't fill his time. And I don't think he has something that he can can replace the football itch with. You know, and for players, we always have to do it. You know, we, we've got a somebody really smart told me, don't try to replace football. You're going to fail every time. Nothing's going to nothing's going to stack up to the way it feels to play football. The pressure that you're under, you know, the gun to your head feeling the the highs, the lows. Retirement's more about this, right? Like it's it's learning to live like this. I don't have the lows that I had when I played, but I certainly don't have the highs. And I think a lot of guys struggle with that. We don't have a choice, you know, you could go coach or something, but for these coaches, um, especially when you've crossed that threshold and you're not like retiring by 60, you know, Bill's 70 years old, where's he going? What's he right. going to do? I think he's passed up that chapter in his life where he's like, I'm going to retire and relax. I do think he can still coach. I worry about the buying the groceries and chefing up the meal. Just be like, the coach. Yeah. Just be the coach, you know? Right. And, and I, I think, I think that's going to be restrictive in some places if he wants to do the same thing. I don't I don't know that every place is going to look at that and say, I, I think the minority of places would take that chance. I mean, Josh Harris sounds interested in in Bill, but I know for a fact he's he's interviewing GMs. He wants to go interview GMs. Do you think at this stage that's something he would struggle with, with kind of giving up some of that control after having it for so long? Or he's kind of at a place or you... You wouldn't know. Billy, you, I don't think he has think, a choice. No, I know, but well, you think he'll be if, fine kind of like, let me just focus on this and get the record. I think it's, I think it's, you'd have to get inside his head and understand the motivation. If it truly is the record, and I think he tied the record for the most losses uh, at the end of that, that game Sunday, um, regular season losses. But like, if the record's important to him, he's going to go coach somewhere where he respects the GM, you know? Not every place has like a Mickey Loomis where there's like organizational structure for a long time. And obviously the results have been mixed and, you know, bringing Derek Carr in wasn't the best move in retrospect. But 
I think Mickey's done a great job. You think about like a team like the Saints. I don't think anybody's talking about Bill going down there, and nor am I implying that. But maybe if there's a GM that commands his respect on some level, um, I don't know if it's like, hey, you know, there's a situation like Atlanta where it's like, what does McKay do? Right. You know, is he's not the GM, but Fontenot or however you say his name, he's not even at the the press conference with Blank and McKay yesterday. So it might be a situation like that where there's like a hybrid, and he's like, okay, I can live with this. This is a guy that hired Tony Dungy. He's he was in Tampa for a long time. They've this is a class organization. I think it's it's about Bill respects who he respects, and if he respects those people, he'll work with them. Um, but it's also about his motivations. Chris Long is with us. I love him. Uh, he is the host of the Greenlight Podcast. Check it out, YouTube.com, at Greenlight Podcast. Uh, of the available jobs, he, well, let me do it this way, Chris, because I would wait if I'm Belichick or Har- uh, Jim Harbaugh because some of these jobs, like big jobs, might they might come open. Philadelphia, yeah. uh, maybe yeah. even Dallas if Mike McCarthy yeah. loses. Jerry Jones says it's a game-to-game thing right now. Uh, so I would kind of wait uh, if I'm Bill Belichick. Where could you see Belichick going? Take it job by job. Like ideally in my mind, you can't go defense again in LA. I know, I know that, you know, people have floated his name there. Harbaugh would be a great pick for the Chargers. Uh Ben Johnson would be a great pick for the Chargers. Um, I do think with Bill, like history factors in. So if like the Giants job opened up, I think the Giants, I mean, with his with his respect and reverence for that that franchise, like you could see something like that. Um, I, I mentioned Atlanta because I think if you look at Blank's coaching higher record, like he has leaned a little bit defense. I know he had Petrino for a year and um, that flamed out. Um, but, you know, like if you go, I don't think Tennessee necessarily, I think for him it's got to be quality of life, respect for the organization. Um, Atlanta comes to mind. The other openings obviously at this point are the Raiders. And if I'm the Raiders – I don't think that job should be open. I'm an Antonio Pierce fan. I think like Mark Davis, for as much as he wants to be popular, what's the most unpopular thing he could do is pull a Basaccia 2.0 only with a team that played even better and had a bigger turnaround. I don't think if I'm the Raiders that I look at Bill over Antonio, you know, right. because each job, it, it, it demands a different timeline. It demands a different culture infusion. It demands a different, like, what are you after? For instance, with Harbaugh, I think he's great with a young quarterback. So, like, don't send him somewhere where you got to retread, right? Or the quarterback's already there. Like, I think Jim would be best suited going somewhere where you can work with a young guy. So, I think you know it's a little bit of what are these teams looking for, and what is the coach best suited to do. We're gonna get you out of here in a second because I uh, I know you're short on time, but this is great. Let's get some you're instant reaction good, here. Pete Carroll out in Seattle. Chris Long's reaction to that. Yeah, I know. Look at that face. He's shocked. We're all shocked. Pete Carroll is now out in Seattle. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Holy hell, dude! I have man, Pete. I got a lot of respect for Pete. I played I in that. Di- I played in that division for a long time. I think what Pete brought to them was not only he was a great coach and all that, and he's one of the few coaches that was successful in college and su- successful in the pros, and um, but he gives that team a belief. You know, there's no reason that as bad as the Eagles were going to Seattle, you shouldn't get beat by Drew Locke, right? Like some of the game-winning drives that Geno's put together over the last two years, the, the confidence that he gave Geno fundamentally. You know, Geno has credited Pete and that group with giving him the confidence he needed to revive his career. 
you go up and play in Seattle, magic things just happen, dude. Like over the past two decades, if you include like uh, the early 2000s, the last 15 years since Mora left there and Pete came on, there were countless instances where I was like, these guys have a horseshoe up their ass. You know, whether it's the onside kick that Green Bay botches, whether it's, you know, you think about the, um, the, um, the replacement officials, you think about all the lucky shit that's happened to them. It felt like every game you go up there and something lucky would happen to them in fourth quarter. But after a while, I just realized Pete is a guy who breathes the belief that is necessary to win in those situations into that team. And so are some of the things he does archaic or some of the practices archaic? Sure. And I don't necessarily disagree with making a move and, and, and turning the clock towards the next guy, but I got nothing but respect for the dude. Uh, last thing, and we're done here. Uh, Nick Sirianni, has he earned another year regardless of what happens here? When you take a team to the Super Bowl in the last calendar year, I have a hard time talking about firing a guy. I also understand the temperature in the city and the relatively unprecedented collapse. But I also think like them getting to 10-1 and one was – because this is the same team. They've lost some players. I think they're a victim of their own success early in the season where they they played through some things that, quite frankly, were design flaws, whether they're two coordinators that you have to replace, and they are Knicks hires, which is relevant, or the linebacking core being completely neglected in free agency, which is a thing that Howie Roseman has done in the past, or the back end looking like and banking on some older players playing well. So I don't put everything on Nick. But those were his his hires. And, you know, if you go back and look at the the teams that have been in Super Bowls and had to replace two coordinators, the results are not great and the sample size is small. You know, I think it's like San Francisco in the 90s at one point in New England in the early 2000s. Like, it just doesn't happen a lot. So I do feel for him there. But at the same time, he picked those guys. So I think what happens is you say, hey, Nick, this is a put up or shut up year and we're hiring the coordinators. And, you know, like, I, I think he's also got to, He's got to relax, man, because I think this thing's tearing him up. You know, I watch him on the sideline. He does not look happy or healthy. Um, and I know for a fact this guy just burns the candle on both ends. He wants to win as bad as anybody. He's got to take some of that pressure off himself, get away, and let them make the right decisions to put this team in the right position next year. Because I think they have the quarterback as bad as he's played. He's just another example of why, like Cam Newton, what he said, it ruffled so many feathers. But there's so few quarterbacks that are immune to contextual changes around them. And Jalen's not one of them. Right. All right. This is a great person, a fun person. And I'm glad that you have uh, kind of found a spark here with the media again. Chris, just do it your way, dude. That's it. That's all Dan Sometimes and I can tell you. I'm certain Dan has told you the same thing. He just has. Do it and, your way, man. And I, I appreciate you guys, man. Like, I, I just want to say this. Like, obviously, like what you guys do down there. Um, but, you know, as people in the media that you don't owe me shit. Dan has given me advice at different points and 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 unsolicited and sometimes not what I want to hear. Um, sure. But I think he's honest and and he's been helpful and you as well, Stu. So appreciate you guys. Uh, you got it, man. I want to talk about non-football stuff next time we do this, okay? Anytime, bro. We got to get you on green light soon. I would love it. Uh, stone mailbag, right? Stone mailbag, bro. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's an off-season staple. So get your uh, get your stash ready. Get yeah. to True Leave or wherever you guys shop down there. Yeah, I love True Leave. Uh, you had me at Stoned, okay? <laughs> For good. <laughs> right. uh, right, check guys. him out YouTube.com at Greenlight Podcast. Chris Long, the host of the Greenlight Podcast. He's great. We love him. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, bro. Enjoy Super Wild Card Weekend, my friend. It's the best. You yeah. guys enjoy as well.
lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. You know another thing that hasn't changed? Is that it's less filling. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. Ah, I remember it like it was yesterday. Sitting back in my dad's pickup truck. Me, my dad, Pappy. It's my granddad, I used to call him. Fishing at the pond. I remember dad and Pappy going back and forth saying, what is it about this new Miller Lite? Is it that it's less filling or is it the great taste? What I wouldn't give to go back to those times. But you know one thing that Miller Lite does? Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com GBF. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Lite Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs and premium regular beer.